Today is April the 11th. Just what was the downward spiral? Let's find out together as we read Judges 9 through 12. Today, as we read through the Bible in a year, we finish the story of Gideon. Now, it's not the story of, Abim- of Gideon, but the story of his son, Abimelech. Uh, in chapter 9, <clears throat> Abimelech wants to rule. Uh, the men of uh, Shechem make Abimelech uh, their king. But uh, when Abimelech tries to expand the cities that he rules over, He is killed in the battle. We have that story in chapter 9. After that, we have two very short stories. Tola and Jair are the, uh, I believe, the fifth and the sixth judges. Excuse me, the sixth and the seventh judges. And then we have the story of Jephthah. Now, Jephthah is an interesting character. Um, Ammon is attacking Israel, oppressing Israel. Israel gets together and Israel calls Jephthah. He is the only judge that is not called by God. He's called by the elders of Israel. Um, Judges 11 verse 6, the elders said, You come be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. Now, Jephthah had his own private army, but it was a band of brigands. What they did was attack traveling caravans. They were thieves. They were professional thieves. That is who Israel called to judge them. In chapter 11, verse 31, before Jephthah goes out to battle... He says, 1131, I'll give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, we don't know exactly what Jephthah expected to come out of his house. But after the battle, he comes home and his daughter comes out of the house. He makes a human sacrifice to God. Now, that is how far Israel has fallen. Then in chapter 12, Jephthah fights with the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim comes and says, why didn't you call us? We would have gone to battle with you. Uh, They cross words and then they cross swords. And in 12 um, verse 6, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Jephthah kills the Ephraimites. This is how far things have gotten. Uh, Then we have Judges 9, 10, and 11, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. They're merely mentioned, and we move on. I can't ask you to enjoy reading the story of Jephthah. It's pretty depressing. As you read it, remember that the point of 
the book of Judges at this point is to show us that each judge is progressively worse. There is a downward spiral that's taking place as we move through the Judges. Judges 9 through 12, New Living Translation. Judges 9. One day Gideon, son of Bimelech, went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. He said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, Ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all seventy of Gideon's son or by one man. And remember, I'm your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. After listening to this proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Belberit, which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home at Ophran there, on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid. Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar at Shechem and made Abimelech their king. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted, "'Listen to me, citizens of Shechem!' Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. Once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, Should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, You be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, Should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, You be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, Should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, Come, you be our king. The thorn bush replied to the trees, If you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham continued, Now, Make sure you've acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king, that you've done right by Gideon and all his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you've revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his seventy sons on one stone. And you've chosen this slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king, just because he is your relative. If you've acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech, and may he find joy in you. But if you've not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo. May fire come out from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beir because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. 
After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the cities of Shechem for supporting him in his treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gael, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gave the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely and everyone began cursing Abimelech. "'Who's Abimelech?' Gael shouted." He's not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon, this Zebul, merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I'd get rid of Abimelech. I'd say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Zebul, the leader of the city, heard what Gale was saying, he was furious he sent messengers to Abimelech in Aruma, telling him, Gael, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem. Now they're inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and a hideout in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it's daylight, attack the city. When Gael and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gael was standing by the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, That's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again, Gael said, No, people are coming down from the hills. Another group is coming down past the road, past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned to him and asked, Now where's that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, Who's Abimelech? Why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gael led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him, and many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Arumah. Zebul drove Gael and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out in the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and they hid in the temple at Baal Bereith. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zalmun. He took an axe and chopped down some branches from a tree and put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I've done, he told his men. 
Each of them cut down some branches. Following Abimelech's example, they piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. All the people who had lived in the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes and captured it, but there was a strong tower inside the town. All the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower, but as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his soul. He said quickly to his young armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Judges 10. After Abimelech died, Tola, son of Pua, son of Dodo, was the next person to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but he lived in the town of Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel for 23 years. When he died, he was buried in Shamir. After Tola died, Jair from Gilead judged Israel for 22 years. His 30 sons rode around on 30 donkeys, and they owned 30 towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jair. When Jair died, he was buried in Kamon. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the image of Baal and Ashtoreth, the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He turned them over to the Philistines and to the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is, in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites? When they oppressed you, you cried out to me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods, so I will not rescue you anymore. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We've sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord. And he was grieved by their misery. At that time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead. And the people of Israel assembled encamped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Judges 11 
Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons. When these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You'll not get any of our father's inheritance, they said. You're the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to him, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, asking, Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give the land back peacefully. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom asking for permission to pass through his land. But their request was denied. When they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border, camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? You keep whatever your God, Chemosh, gives you. We'll keep whatever the Lord, our God, gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war against them? Israel has been living here for 300 years, inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements, all the way to Aroer and its settlements, in all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to rescue it before now? Therefore, I've not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord who is judge decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. 
But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. From there, he led an army against the Ammonites. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I'll give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from a rower to an area near Mineth that is far away as Abel Keramim. In this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You've completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me. For I made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. She said, Father, if you've made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me whatever you have vowed. For the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me do this one thing. Let me go up and roam the hills and weep with my friends for two months because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said. He sent her away for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept the vow he had made and she died a virgin. So it's become a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Judges 12 Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We're going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you. The Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you not come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, You men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. Whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him, Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? They would ask. If the man said, No, I'm not, they would tell him to say, Shibboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would say, Sibboleth, because people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossings of the Jordan. In all, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Jephthah judged Israel for six years, and when he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah died, Ibsen from Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Ibsen judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried at Bethlehem. After Ibsen died, Elan from the tribe of Zebulun judged Israel for 10 years. When he died, he was buried at Aijalon in Zebulun. After Elan died, 
Abdon, son of Hillel, from Pirathon, judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons, who rode on seventy donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. When he died, he was buried at Pirathon in Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. Like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll look at Samson, the first anti-hero of the Bible.